this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week me and a panel of guests discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars to Supernatural to The Office to cosplay to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hi, this is Erin. Um, before we get into this week's Elton John episode, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Um, first, I wanted to talk about our Oscar episode from last week. Um, I have gone ahead and removed that episode. Um, it was brought to my attention, something that I should have noticed myself. Um, but in that within that episode, there was um, a word used that is considered a slur against people of color. And that should have never been in the episode, should have never gone through. Um, so I apologize for that. I apologize profusely if um, anyone was hurt by that, um, anything like that. Um, it is something that I um, consider a learning experience, something that I need to grow from and make sure never happens again. Um, and I know it is the same for, for others as well. Um, so I just wanted to bring that um, up. I didn't want to just remove the episode and not mention it because that wouldn't have been right. I don't think. Um, so yeah. And I just want to say, you know, this is, um, a show about fandoms, which may seem on the surface, uh, shallow to some people, but, um, I think this kind of stuff, um, and with the world we live today in today and media and everything that, um, fandoms, um, the community around them, the community at large is something, um, we can all learn from and grow, um, and try and become better allies. Um, and being a better ally means during the, doing the work and learning and growing. So this was definitely one of those experiences for me. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention, um, is about this episode. Um, this episode, we do talk about Elton John and we do discuss the movie rocket man. Um, I do mention when we're going to start talking about it. So it won't be, a, you know, like you don't have to keep track of the time on, on the, th- on the thing, um, of when we start talking about rocket man, but we are going to talk about spoilers as far as like when certain songs play in it and what time frame in Elton's life. So if you want to remain completely spoiler free, we also talk about what is the very last song in the movie. So if you want to remain completely spoiler free, I su- and you haven't seen the movie, I suggest um, stopping uh, the episode at that point. Once we, once I mentioned rocket man, the movie rocket man, that we're going to start talking about that and then going back to it after that. So um, thank you for listening, um, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Take care. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week, we're doing our very first music-themed one, and we're going to be covering Elton John, and Megan is returning this week to discuss all things Elton. So before we dive into that, um, to see what Megan introduce herself, and then just see what pop culture thing she's into right now. Hi again, this is Megan. Um, Currently right now, I am super excited about Birds of Prey. Um, I know it's not for everyone, but as a DC fan, I'm very excited just to see how that movie turns out. Um, I'm pretty happy with the cast selection, um, especially the villain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To say for the very least, we'll see how close to comics they actually get, though. So just a lot of anticipation there for me. And I'm super excited to start talking about Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Birds of Prey has been getting some good notices. People are saying it's really good. And um, I want to see it. It looks fun. And I really want to see it because Ewan McGregor. And then I also love Chris Messina. He's playing another villain in it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that'll be interesting to see him in that kind of role. Um, and this is Aaron. And um, I'm going to break my rule and just name a couple of things. Um, number one. 
Uh, the Good Place series finale, if you watch The Good Place, it's really good. I cried, so that's something I'm excited about. I'm not excited that it ended, but I think, like all Mike Shore comedies, he knows how to end a series. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and in April, we're going to be discussing um, the, the Office and Parks and Rec and The Good Place in a two-parter. Um, and then my other thing is uh, Sundance was going on, and um, there's been a lot of rave about the movie Promising Young Woman, which if you haven't watched that trailer, go watch it now. Um, and that's with Carrie Mulligan, and it's supposed to be just absolutely amazing and incredible, and looks like it'll be kind of a very cathartic experience for some women, maybe. <laughs> so that's another thing that I'm excited about. Okay, so let's dive into Elton John right now. Um, and how long have you been a fan of Elton, Megan? Um, actually, all my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I just really loved how he could make a piano fun. Um, <laughs> I had to take lessons when I was younger for a brief moment of my life. That and flute, and I hated it because I mm. felt like I was constantly playing very boring stuff. <laughs> it really wasn't entertaining, and I was like, why am I doing this? So I ended up stopping for a while, but then I I just randomly bumped into it because I really also liked um, uh, Elvis Presley, and he, a lot of Elton John's influences do come from Elvis Presley, so naturally on my Pandora listening at that point or whatever radio show uh, streaming app I was listening to, uh, Elton John came up, I started listening to him, and I loved it, every last <laughs> moment of it. <laughs> Awesome. And for me, you know, I I liked some of Elton's songs, but I will say I didn't really become like a huge, huge fan until this past year with Rocket Man. That kind of reintroduced me to Elton. Um, I liked a lot of his songs. It's just he had never really stuck with me like a lot of other bands, but or a lot of other performers, singers. Um, but ever since then, I just kind of was obsessed with him <laughs> this past year. Um, so that kind of got me into him. Um, and do you have any f favorite songs, albums? Okay. Um, I do like his breakout album, um, Elton John. Um, a lot of the songs, like Border Song was one that I really love, Bad Side of the Moon, as well as um, 60 Years On, No, no Shoestrings on Louise, things like that. Um, he just, it, there's an oldness to it that I appreciate, and I know it's not for everyone, but at the same time, it was just like the overall construction of these songs were very mature complex and overall stimulating compared to a lot of music in my day and age <laughs> no offense <laughs> um <laughs> but i i really just appreciated the time they took to make music granted this album came out uh, even before my time but it was something <laughs> that i really appreciated amongst a lot of like the edm culture and all that that was happening so that was one of my favorite albums. But of course, Mad Men, uh, Across the Water, that was just another spectacular, fantastic kind of like feeling for me just because it was very emotional in comparison to some of his other stuff. Like the other stuff touched on emotion and all, but Bernie's lyrics in Mad Men, Across the Water um, really compelled me to be like, oh, like, this is someone who really wants to delve into deeper stuff and, like, not just be kind of, like, fun and giddy or, like, about love or just kind of scratching the surface. This is an, uh, two artists who want to really uh, compel their audience and continue engaging them over their uh, period of time. Again, like, these were all out by the time, like, I <laughs> listened to them, but I just, I really liked seeing their chronological growth over time. Like, Indian Sunset was really good, as well as Rotten Peaches. I know that's not, like, a crowd favorite, but at the same time, it was just something about it that I really enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I like a lot of older music, period, so, and I think there's, I think there's something, um, which, I mean, some new music is great. Frankly, I don't know a lot of new artists. I'll admit that right up front. And I'm a huge music person. Um, I think the power of song is something that is really incredible. Um, it can change your mood in like a second, I think. Everything I write is inspired by music. Um, so, yeah. So I think it doesn't matter if it was in your decade or years <laughs> and years ago. That's the power about good music is it can last forever. Timeless. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me... Uh, Benny and the Jets was always one of my favorites. 
Um, and that was a favorite before I even became a huge fan. Um, I just think that song is super fun um, to sing. And it's just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great yes. for karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I actually, not too long ago, did karaoke, and that was one of the songs I sang, was that one. Um, your song, of course. Um, yeah, and then um, Tiny Dancer, which I always, always thought was Tony Danza. I always thought it was Hold Me Closer, Tony Danza, um, when I was little. <laughs> I still sometimes that. hear that. And I loved that in Friends, I think it was a Friends episode where Phoebe mm-hmm. said that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. You wrote a love song for Tony Danza. <laughs> and I think when I'd heard it, it was right around the time of Who's the uh, Boss. Yes. So for me, it kind of made sense. It was like... <laughs> it all connects at the end. Yep, so... Um, and then Someone Saved My Life Tonight, that's another one of mine. That's uh, that's a big favorite. I just absolutely love that. And then I love Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Oh, that is just um, a classic. Yeah. You just yeah. want, like, a good rager. Like, this was, like, pre-Megan uh, deciding she liked rock music, and this was something that really helped found that love for it. I was like, yeah, let's rage. Let's rage. <laughs> And Goodbye Yellow Brick oh, Road God, is good, too. So that's beautiful. another great one. Yeah, we could probably talk. You could probably spend the whole podcast just talking about Candle the songs. Candle in the Wind was just another. <laughs> it's sad, but Candle in the Wind was yeah. just one of those really touching songs. Um, I believe they played that at John Lennon's funeral, actually, and he uh, they ended up writing for, um, for him. Yeah, that was in the book, yes. I, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, so they did end up playing that during John Lennon's um, funeral. Um, and at this point after that... Um, Elton John tries to stay away from playing that song just mm-hmm. because it does have such a sentimental value now, which I can respect just because, I mean, it, it was a tough time. I mean, him and John Lennon were super close um, in the tragic way he went. Um, I think definitely shaped the music. Him and Bernie were both producing after that, too. Yeah, and of course, him also playing it for uh, Ryan White's That's funeral, too. Yeah. Uh, that was a big thing too, because he's done a lot of lot of work with AIDS, AIDS relief, and AIDS charities, and yeah, so he raises you know millions for that. He's raised. Um, before we jump into the film version, I want to just talk a lot about um, Elton's <laughs> early life, the book. Which, if you haven't read the book, me or even you can even listen to the audio recording, Taryn Edgerton. Um, does it and he does a great job it's really entertaining to listen to because he also does different voices for different people when he's quoting them uh, when Elton John's quoting him in the book he will do the different voices and he's he does a really great American voice. he actually does I was really surprised um I do want to mention obviously Lion King oh um, yeah I don't know course. how I yeah. skipped over oh, that yeah. <laughs> that was a very defining moment in my childhood too <laughs> um but that was another uh great work that mm-hmm. uh, Elton John did um and it definitely something Taryn actually talked about loving and why he was really excited to work with Elton John initially just because <laughs> he enjoyed Lion King as well and I just I adore that <laughs> yeah yeah he's and he was involved with the stuff for you know the remake the live action remake and um the stage production of course and everything so he's yeah that was a great one um and Elton sort of, you know, he, he started out, If I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about his history, about how he started out, how he kind of came to be, just a little bit briefly touching on that, and of course. Yeah, um, I mean, we start with his parents. Uh, father was a war veteran, um, definitely had a lot of uh, PTSD and issues that he mm-hmm. had to deal with a lot growing up, and definitely felt affected Elton later on in life, as well as just family life as a whole. He also lived with his uh, grandmother at the time, and uh, he called her Nana, and uh, his mother, who, Sheila of all people, is just a very (laughs) unique character, um, and just overall a huge influence on how I think Elton viewed women for the longest time, and how he wanted to be more than just, like, your typical man. He Mm -hmm. wanted to dress up and like have fun and really just pursue like this performance role especially once he started figuring out hey like I really like the piano they started taking him in lessons he was excelling and then ended up in the Royal Academy mm-hmm. and he excelled even though he hated doing the homework and stuff <laughs> yeah. um, he didn't stay for the full thing either I think he ended up dropping out at one point too but mm-hmm. 
A lot of his childhood itself was filled with this overpowering sense of loneliness because he felt like the family always was a little bit disconnected. Um, there were times like, yes, they were supportive of him and wanted to help him, but he was also like chasing down his dad's affection. And dad was just kind of incapable of giving that just because it was post-war. Mm-hmm. He was trying to find his place back in society. And you see that a lot in the book, how he explores that, how he understands it and actually yeah. forgives him now for a lot of the lack of attention received and everything. And it's really cool to see Elton mature that way uh, just because, I mean, it's tough growing up um, when the father figure is not super endearing and, of course, divorce. That's not yeah. an easy um, life to deal with as well, especially when dad kind of like disappears almost entirely and going across town's a little bit much and you're stuck with mom and you and mom don't necessarily always get along, but you guys try to make it work um, regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, I mean, and he was also pretty shy. I think he was a lot shyer. Um, and I think for a long time, he didn't necessarily think he was going to be like the showman in the front and center at all, um, as far as when he got into music. I mean, he he got to, into music through Elvis Presley, yeah. as you mentioned, and which was a lot from his mom, introduced him to Elvis. Um, and discovering rock and roll, I think, really, really changed him. And back then, he talks a lot about that in his book, about how really nobody, if you weren't around then, you don't really understand what it was about rock and roll and the impact and how people bef- in the generation before... Uh, really, really looked down on it. I mean, that happens now with other music too, but I guess it was a lot stronger back then. Especially in um, England. Um, England yeah. was very, uh, I don't like this, we're mm-hmm. opposed to it. And I think that's why it took such a strong hold there. It's because there was this huge sense of rebellion, especially among his generation of like, we're going to do what we want. Like, this is what sounds good. This is what gets us moving and feeling better and just getting the economy itself moving too. Um and he would perform at like pubs and things like that. And Saturday Night is All Right actually came from an experience he had where he was performing one night and like uh, being booed at and everything and having to get out of there before fights broke out and he would have gotten pummeled. Um, and he talks a lot about that experience of like being a performer is a lot of work and sometimes it's not pretty, it's not ideal, but mm-hmm. it's it's to help create that foundation for things to appreciate later, like the glamour of like performing somewhere big, like the Madison Garden, things like that. He said without those experiences, he wouldn't have developed his sense of character and who he was and how he broke away from Reggie Dwight and became mm-hmm. Elton John. Yeah, yeah, which we should have mentioned that that's, that was his birth name, was Reggie Dwight. Um, and then, of course, a big thing that he also discovered right before he came out to America for the first time was um, fashion, really, was his own sense of style, his own unique style, which he's known for. You know, he's known for dressing up in all sorts of different kind of garb and different costumes, you know, even dressing up as the queen once, dressing up as Donald Duck once. <laughs> I mean, all sorts of things that he's... Do you have any favorite outfit of his? Um, actually, uh, my favorite outfit of his is um, at the Dodgers Stadium one, just how it's beautifully bedazzled the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a lot of inspiration from drag queens, which is very much my lane <laughs> of specialty. <laughs> um, I love drag queens. I keep up with all drag queen life, um, not just exclusively RuPaul's Drag Race. I feel like that's only a small fragment of what drag queen culture is. And it's interesting um, because he really got himself involved with LGBTQ community without like fully admitting his mm-hmm. sexuality too and this was a way for him to explore that was with how he dressed and he's like I'm gonna pair this outfit with this and these boots and these platforms and I'm just gonna go for it and I think that's really where he finally was like I need to become a character in order to perform because Reggie Dwight is a very shy quiet mm-hmm. guy and I need to be more than that if I want to continue performing and doing what I love yeah very much. I think that's really where he was able to, it's almost, it's, it's like he's combining acting in a way with, um, and I think when you are a really good performer, really good musician on stage, because I've seen people who make amazing music on stage who just 
you can tell are so uncomfortable up there and they don't like being up there and they're not, they don't really come to life. And then you'll have other people who really can interact with the audience. Um, you know, another example would be Chris Isaac, just kind of going off of that. I mean, Chris Isaac is very shy in person, but when he's up there, he tells stories, gets the audience involved. And I think for Elton, a big thing was, was this costume, was dressing up, um, was taking on the persona of Elton John, really. I mean, there was, you know, Reggie Dwight, which he kind of, I think, wanted to leave behind and almost in a way had to kill in a way to become who he was, um, or who he is, I should say, not was. Yeah, um, and a lot of that came from Motown life because um, Motown mm-hmm. was a big part of um, his upbringing. I think that's what made his piano playing different from some of these other piano players like Billy Joel and people like that. And don't get me wrong, I love Billy Joel. Like, he's great, fantastic, but... The same token, Elton John played the keys in a way that um, had a little bit more soul to it, a little bit more depth, and there was a little bit of a complexity that was missing from other music, and whenever he touched a song that Bernie wrote, it seemed to just turn into magic in his hands, and it's always been something I admired um, about their partnership, is that like Bernie is just a powerful lyricist, and he creates these beautiful lyrics, but he, he can't see the music. Like He's always mm-hmm. said, like that's just not my specialty, I just know how to do the lyrics, kind of help you find the beat of it but that's not his specialty and that's where like Elton comes in and just sits down looks at it and within like two or three days he's got a whole song and that's not easy to do at all um I I have friends who are songwriters and I've seen them struggle (laughs) over some songs um especially with producers and such but uh, Elton John has made truly an art out of it and I think a lot of it is due to that Motown experience just because in Motown um they didn't have a lot of time in the studios and a lot of the time they were having to bustle in bustle out things like that so he's exposed to that very uh think on your feet nature improvise do something that'll be impactful meaningful and i think he was able to adopt that and really create magic yeah and um the big end we you touched on a little bit elton and um bernie their relationship i mean i don't think we would have you know, we wouldn't have Elton without Bernie and we wouldn't have Bernie without Elton. I think they are, they complete each other. Um, I think they are a great duo, a great, um, songwriter and performer. And, you know, I mean, he's, Elton has done other people's songs, you know, and it wasn't, didn't have the same kind of feeling. They just gel, they work together. They're best friends. They're like brothers. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what they are. And I think it was just a faded thing that they found each other. Um, You know, because a lot of times, I don't think that always is the case when it's a singer who's singing songs that they haven't written. I don't think there's always the case where there's that bond with the songwriter because sometimes they're singing tons of different songwriter songs, not just one. Um, But I think their relationship is, um, I think it's probably one of the most solid things in Elton's life. I think it's probably what probably even saved his life a lot of times maybe um and kept him afloat and was probably something he didn't really have growing up I mean he was close to his grandmother but you know he had a rocky relationship with both his parents really um and so I think he was just he was that brother he never had and that best friend and yeah I just think they have a very 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 special relationship and it shows in the work they do you know it shows in the songs um, you know, it shows in songs that are definitely probably inspired by Elton and Bernie watching Elton as well. So I think it's a very, very, very special collaboration. I mean, the one song that really defined their relationship was Rocket Man. I mean, that was like the one song that truly like solidified, like, this is going to work. This is going to be it. Like, this is how we know we're going to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because Initially, they weren't too sure about that song and, like, keeping it on and everything. They were like, eh, it's a little bit much. I don't know. Maybe. But the fact that they kept it on um, is really great just because, like, there's so many cover songs inspired by it, too. And it's just nice to see a duo that can really come together and actually uh, remain good and also Mm -hmm. respect each other um, for writing music for different people. I know Bernie's done it for a few artists um, as well as Elton working with other songwriters 
and I think over time it just further solidified the fact that you know this is a duo that will always work together and can work with other people in a meaningful way yeah yeah I agree um and a big thing that uh probably Bernie helped him a lot you know with is um Elton's recovery because as everybody knows he was an addict um and then I didn't write down the exact year that he, um, and I couldn't remember. I was trying to refresh my memory day, but that exact year that he actually went in for treatment. Um, and he's he's been sober now for, oh, isn't it like it's over, I think over 20 yeah, years. Yeah, he actually posted um, something last year, I believe, talking about it. Um, and it was like his little sober pin. Um and he went to so yeah. many of those uh, AAA meetings and mm-hmm. all that. He said he went to over 2,000 at one point in one year. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, he said he was struggling, and I, I can understand why. You need something to kind of preoccupy your mind during that time and rewire your brain just because, I mean, drugs do have that effect on people, especially if they're trying to replace something in their lives mm-hmm. and they just didn't understand how to do it. Uh, a lot of time people will turn to drugs and be like, okay, this is just going to fill me and completely, and it, it doesn't work that way. And unfortunately, it takes a lot of effort to push back against it. And the, ma- and the fact that he was able to do that and do it consistently, that's amazing to me. Um, I mean, I know, granted, everyone has a little bit of a downfall, but the fact that he kept going regardless is a huge impact huge game changer and I think it affects the way people look at addiction now too and mm-hmm. they can see that it can be treated but you know it takes time and the right treatment centers and the right kind of treatment honestly yeah yeah and um and I think that sort of led it led a lot to the charity work that he did too um you know they they always say um you know in therapy when you're going through therapy a lot of things that therapists recommend is to do volunteer work because it takes you out of yourself and out of focusing on yourself and focusing on what's going on with you. And I used to always shake my head at that and go, oh, that's that's not true. But it is, actually. I mean, it is amazing how that can help. And I can only imagine that, you know, I mean, a big part of doing his charity work probably helps a lot with his sobriety. But it also just helps him in general with finding some some way to give back with you know his success i mean he's a very wealthy man very successful um and he of course does like his his aids work has been of course the biggest biggest thing that people talk about yeah the aids work is definitely close to his heart i mean a lot of it started with freddie mercury for him um Mm -hmm. and just other people he was losing to aids and it was really unfortunate just because he experienced a lot of hardship after that and it really brought to dawn to him like oh like clearly I need I have a problem right now and I need to start working to make things better to make myself better and to have a future if I want to have a future and it was really tough for him and the amount of work he's done for AIDS is significant and he continues to strive for better and honestly it's just one of those things where he spent over 24 years um, fighting this, his um, foundation, yeah, the Elton John AIDS Foundation mm-hmm. has spent 24 years uh, fighting it. And he's just done everything. He's done galas. He's done all of the above of like reaching out to any person that'll listen. And he's not trying to make it an exclusive cause or one of those like, oh, you have to donate so much. Like he just like anything helps, especially in a community that is seen as criminal in our society, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, and he wants to protect LGBTQ, and I am so proud of him for that. Yeah, because it took him a long time to really come out and to come to terms with that and to acknowledge who he was, too. I mean, he's, I mean that's a big deal, um, that he is an openly gay man who now is in a great relationship and a great marriage and has adopted children and um 
so he's, he's, he's done a lot there. And he also hosts, every year he hosts the Oscars party. His AIDS Foundation does that yeah. too. So that's the other big thing to mention too with um, calling back to our Oscar episode from last <laughs> week. But yeah, he hosts it. And of course he um, hosted one for these this year. It's Oscars. He's, you know, he always does that. And last year, when he hosted the ones for last year, he actually uh, brought Taron Edgerton, uh, who plays him in the film Rocket Man, brought him out on stage and they performed together there. And this was, you know, kind of revving up to the movie. Um, but yeah, and, and he was, um, and kind of going off of that just because she was so big into charity, he had a very, very close relationship with Princess Di, as everybody knows. Um, and so he's very protective of her kids, um, which has been a thing that's made news, uh, lately with, um, Megan and Harry and their, their, um, run-ins with the media because, you know, racism really. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's very, he's very, very protective of them because, you know, he was so close with Princess Di. Um, and of course, uh, Candle in the Wind came into play then too, when she passed away. Um, do you have anything you want to add with that one? Um, in regards to Princess Di, he just, (laughs) he always like kept an eye out for her. Like, even though they had their slight falling out, like they always looked out for each other. And that's just something that I think all friends can do and appreciate. Just because, you know, it can be tough, like, especially when you're facing media constantly. And they both had similar experiences with the media, just being incredibly harsh towards both of them. And they really bonded over that kind of uh, epidemic of being seen as a villain or someone who's just not proper or not good enough. And they still kept fighting the journey and they were there for each other. They supported each other through phone calls and other memorable things like that um and they would take retreats together too which I thought was impactful just because you know Princess Di she was often like isolated the way she was and he knew that and he knew she wasn't exactly like wanting to be like royal material or anything like that and she just wanted to help people and he wanted to continue that fight and support uh her through that journey and he did a lot to help her in those times Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think he continues to help her in a way with the with the way he looks out, the way he's defended um, her son, mm-hmm. um, in particular Harry um, and Megan. So absolutely, yeah. So it, it goes to that as well. Um, another and, one of his charity um, mm-hmm. that I want to bring up is the Elton John Sports Fund. Um, that was another part of his recovery that really helped him. Um, he loved soccer growing up and. It, or well, football, but <laughs> there's my American side coming out. Um, and he really just wanted to create a community and a team and just invest his time into kids because even though he didn't necessarily want kids himself at that time, he wanted to help them grow in the way he wanted to grow. And he created this fund basically just helping them with essential training stuff, competition costs, because, I mean, competitive sports, they're super expensive, especially when you go into soccer, lacrosse, any of those type of things. And the fact that he's helping kids out with that, and it's it's a huge impact, honestly, for me. Because um, I have a younger sister who's in competitive sports, and it's something I am passionate about, is helping her kind of succeed in that area of life. So to see him kind of helping kids out to kind of reach their goals and their destinations and dreams the way he has is really impactful. And I think it definitely helped him see himself as a person again and not just a shell of a person. Yeah, once again, it's that charity and volunteer work and how impactful it can be on your life and how much it can change you, um, especially if you're giving back. And... I mean, I know right now he's uh, in the middle of his farewell tour because he wants to quit and be a dad. He wants to spend more time, speaking of kids, with his own kids. Um, do you think he's really going to do that? Do you think this is really going to be well, his farewell? I mean... <laughs> it's a the, long tour. So. <laughs> the way he phrased it in the book with David and everything, he's like, you know, like, I'm going to always, like, perform, but not in the same way I have been. Um He wants to be there for the big moments in his kid's Mm -hmm. life, which I can completely understand. I mean, they grow up right before your eyes, and if you're constantly touring, constantly taking them out of school, they're just not going to have as great of an upbringing, and he sees that, and he wants to be there for those uh, 
PTA meetings and all those silly <laughs> things, awards, anything really, and just be supportive of them in a way that he didn't experience growing up. And I can understand why at this point he thinks it's time to put a pause on it and be like, hey, like mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it as intensely as I've been doing it all my life. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop performing, but it's definitely time to pump the brakes and put my kids first. And I yeah. respect him for that. I, I respect his decision to respect David too, just because like mm-hmm. David's been doing a lot to be flight, but to be flexible with his schedule as well as the kids' schedule and his own personal schedule. So, yeah, and I think that's probably that's probably another growing moment for Elton because I know in the book he talks a lot about in his earlier relationships. Um, with men, he would always tell them they had to put their life on hold and just follow him <laughs> everywhere. And um, I think he's really found a partner in David. Um, I mean, we don't know them personally, so can't. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just the way it seems, is that, that I mean, it truly is a partnership. And so him doing this is supporting, you know, David and being like, it's not going to be just you doing this. It's going to be us doing it together as partners, um, which is something... Like you said, he's always wanted that in his life, I think. Um, I mean, he has a little bit of a partnership with Bernie, but that's a totally different thing. Um, and especially to be there for his kids. I know he said that um, he used to always think he would die on stage kind of thing, and now he doesn't want to do that. He wants to spend the rest of his life with his kids and watching his kids grow and do things. And when you're on the road all the time, you're going to miss a lot of that. Um, so I, I think he's going to, I mean, I think there will probably be some time down the road where it's like this big, like one time only reunion concert or kind of thing where you see him out there. I think that'll probably happen, but, um, I do believe that for now that it is. And I would love to go see him. I don't think I'm going to get the chance, but I would love to go see him. And it would have been interesting. You brought up Billy Joel earlier. Um, it would have been really interesting to see those two together since they did the long, they did those tour, the tour where they were performing together. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think some ego would come to play between yes, them still I think so just too. because they're both the way they are. Yep. And it would have been funny, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I think they both would try to just constantly outdo each other to a certain degree, <laughs> just a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, I do want to touch on um, Elton John's relationship with, like, George Michael, because George Michael is just another huge icon, and I love George Michael. I don't care what anyone says about George Michael. I love George Michael and Wham. (laughs) 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 And, like, even just, even though they had a falling out, like, he was super respectful about it. He's like, you know, we were just on different paths, set of minds at that time, and I knew, like, for George Michael, there's not much I can do at that point. Like, if someone's very set in their ways, like, I can't change them. And I can respect that in artists, because I've seen artists that will bash another artist mm-hmm. down. Um, I see it a lot, especially in, like, the rapping community between, like, Nicki Minaj and, uh, let's see, um, Iggy Azalea at one point, and then just Megan Stallion even. Like, just all these mm-hmm. different rappers where it's, like, it, it's beef. And I, I get it, but at the same time, it's... It's not ideal, especially for fans, just because we want to appreciate multiple, like, musicians, not just one set musician. And it was nice to see that they were able to kind of, like, at least be civil with each other and be respectful and still support each other, even if they personally had different values and couldn't remain friends. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll definitely have to do an episode in the future about George Michael, because... I am there. (laughs) George Michael was incredible, and... That was a very, very sad loss. And, yeah, he's... he's. And then I know that uh, Elton also briefly talked about um, uh, David Bowie in his book a little bit. Now, it didn't seem like David Bowie really... David Bowie really didn't... You know, he said some stuff about Elton John. Um, he's like, I don't yeah. think I was cool enough for David Bowie. And it's like, honestly, I don't think anyone felt exactly. cool enough with David Bowie. Yes. But. <laughs> Which is another person we'll have to do, too. Um, yeah, no, David Bowie himself was his own being, and honestly, it was the most relatable moment I ever had as a musician, being like, yeah, I just, like, I was trying, but it was just, it wasn't clicking, I was like, I'm not sure if he's doing this to be pretentious, or if he's just on his own lane, I don't understand, and I'm like, honestly, same, I don't understand David Bowie, but I appreciate his music. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge david bowie fan and that was another loss that was really sad but yeah, yeah it was interesting to i mean yeah i don't think i'd be cool enough to hang with david bowie <laughs> yeah. 
I don't think I would know exactly how to, you know. I think I would feel really, really <laughs> out of my depth there. If just, yeah, yeah. So I can, I can relate to that. <laughs> Very relatable. Um, well, if we want to, because I think this will probably take up a lot of time to um, yeah. ready to to dive into the film Rocket Man. Which, if people don't know, that's a film that came out in 2019 in May. Um, and it stars Taron Edgerton as um, Elton John. And it's really being called a jukebox musical because it's a very different way of telling a biopic. And um, I there love are it. musical numbers, yes. <laughs> and that's what makes it so special. Um, and it doesn't shy away from Elton's sexuality, um, which is a thing that a lot of times the movies do. And that one doesn't. I mean, they're in Rhapsody. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, but yes, yes. Um, yeah, that's one for sure that does. And I mean, there have been some criticisms of it in this movie as well, saying that the one relationship that it shows that he's in is actually a really abusive relationship. So there's been some criticism of that. And then also criticism that Taron Edgerton is a straight man playing a gay man and there are a lot of people in the LGBTQ community that really would prefer to have people in the community playing those characters which I can understand I know Taryn has actually spoken about that before um and I can understand that but I but I think the film does such a great job of not shying away from who Elton was I mean Elton is a gay man that's who he is and to not show that part of his life you know or to just show like a brief little kiss or something like bohemian rhapsody um (laughs) is does an injustice to him to who he who he is um and to the truth of who he is and probably a big reason that the movie is so good and that so much of it is um, is real to who he is is because elton john is still alive and has a lot more say in it i think um and it might even be sugar-coated a little bit um who knows but there are parts where you don't see him be you know a great, wonderful guy. I mean, <laughs> granted, I knew Elton John was going to sugarcoat some things. Like, <laughs> even with the relationship uh, in the film itself, I knew there were just a lot of, uh, I mean, uh, granted, a lot of those things did happen, but there were some exaggerations, mm-hmm. and especially with um, how long they made it seem like it lasted compared to the actuality of it. He didn't talk as much about the multiple kinds of relationships he had and how mm-hmm. he had people like groupies following him essentially and I can see why just because I imagine those people don't really want to be identified or recognized and a lot of the characters that Elton John ended up choosing for that movie ended up looking quite similar to Mm -hmm. the people in his life and that that could be a protection of identity there but he does definitely talk about his choice of relationship style in uh, his book which I related to a little bit just because I was guilty of that in the past. A little bit of like, oh yeah, just drop your life and follow me around. It's fine. (laughs) 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 It was just the same bitter moment that he had of like, and I knew I needed to do better if I wanted a different result. And I'm like, ah, yes, insanity. Um, (laughs) um, Overall, though, I definitely feel like the movie did a great job Um, with the given time they had really just encompassing like the big moments that fans would want especially Mm -hmm. fans that are just kind of your typical fans who know a lot of his major songs and I loved how the songs told the story versus just like a chronological history of it which is okay but it felt more powerful that the songs were really driving along the movie and it 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 was feel good in that moment I was like in the theater just like yes (laughs) yes Tell me all about this music. And I was just mm-hmm. super excited and elated about it. And the person I went with was like, I don't understand any of this. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I should have came by myself. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's, and you know, from the get go, from, you know, in the first couple minutes, you know, when Bitches Back starts playing, and it's very, it's, it's instantly, you know, what movie you're in for, yeah. um, which, Dexter Fletcher, who directed it, said he was he very much wanted that to happen where it wasn't like you're going along and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm in a musical? Um, where he wanted the audience to know right away this is what the movie's going to be. And, you know, that was another way to get away with not doing the songs in chronological order, you know, just putting him in where they would fit with his life. Exactly. Um, and I, th- you know, I think the bitch's back sequence is great. I think Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting was absolutely excellent because it was that transition from teen Elton John 
to adult Elton John, and it was done so perfectly and seamlessly. Um, well, it covered childhood, end of mm-hmm. childhood, teen, yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, this is all I needed to discuss <laughs> that. That was beautiful. And I know Elton John worked really hard on that himself. Like, yes. like I wanted to make that as smooth of a transition as possible. Yep. And it, it, it did fabulous. Yes. And um, what are some of your, speaking of all those musical moments in there, what's your favorite <laughs> ones in there? Oh, gosh. I love Honky Tonk. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Especially the extended version. I was yes. so over the moon. And I want that costume at the end <laughs> where he's, like, running around on that, like, cake topper thing. I don't the know. Record. It had a yes. record on the top. Yeah, and they're doing tap dancing. And I was like, that's yeah. my dream. That is the ultimate mm-hmm. Broadway dream right there. Like, any person who loves theater, any person that loves musicals, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. That is the scene. Yes. Yes, I agree. That's the the honky cat scene is definitely that's probably my that's my absolute favorite. I mean, I was I remember watching that in the theater and just grinning from ear to ear cuz it was just it it's just really that if you love musicals, it's just like <laughs> one of those great ones and especially when you get to see the extended cut of it, which I highly recommend watching those um yes. for Rocket Man cuz there's a bunch of extended ones. Um and that one is just superb the whole tap dancing thing and and it talks about his relationship to drugs how it started with his manager too Mm -hmm. and it was like I thought they did it in a very nice way of just showing it without having to like tell it to me yeah I love movies that show me instead of tell me (laughs) um I also really appreciated a tiny dancer um and crocodile rock that was another one that I was just Mm -hmm. sitting there like that's me Oh my gosh, especially beforehand, I was like, the angst, the overall angst, um, because I do slam poetry on the side too and stuff, and it's like, I can't do this, I'm not ready, I can't, and then they're like, you've got to do this, you you have no choice, and then he's just sitting there like, ooh, I want to argue this, but I can't, and I'm like, yeah, I can relate, but... um, just how they handled Crocodile Rock and even some of the more major songs like that and made them segment songs, as I call them, instead of, like, full-blown, mm-hmm. like, the whole song, gave appreciation to some of his other musical works that really drove the story along. Because, like, Crocodile Rock, it's more of just kind of like a happy-dappy party yeah. song. Um, and I really liked how they changed it, uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's better than the original version. <laughs> Honestly, I think, yeah, I think it has... More of an impact in there. And we should say, because we keep mentioning him, and I, his name was escaping me too, so I looked it up, but uh, John Reed is the relationship that is shown in Rocketman. And John Reed was his manager for a while, and it was, it was, it's shown in the movie as being um, very abusive. And toxic. Yeah, and very toxic. So And financially a burden for yes. Elton John later on in life. Um, yeah. They go through all of that in the two hours. Like, the, ma- the amount of history of him that they were able to put into those mm-hmm. two hours amazes me just because a lot of it was showing and not telling me. And, like, watching it again and again, because that's inevitably what I did. Um <laughs> I picked up on more details and more stuff, and I was like, yes, these were the visual cues (laughs) that led me to know all this stuff. Because when I was listening to the book, it's like, how did I know all this stuff? Like, I knew, but I didn't. And I realized it was from the movie just subtly telling me. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, you get, you know, his introduction to drugs in the honky cat scene. You even see that very brief, I mean, the honky cat number. There's even the brief moment where he snorts the cocaine. Um, You know, you've got that. Then you see in the Benny and the Jets number, which I think is also a fabulous number you see a lot of those costumes yes yes Yes. (laughs) yeah and basically i mean it's an an orgy scene in a lot of respects um (laughs) but yeah that that shows a lot of more of his downfall when he was really deep into addiction um and it was great the way they showed that and the way they did that and also um pinball wizard the way they did that one was really great too with the piano moving around and going around in circles and yeah and i mean and of course the Rocket Man sequence was fabulous as well. Now, I have a theory on the Rocket Man thing, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> so usually I despise um, covers of songs and such. So especially with Elton John, I just I don't like when other people cover Elton John's songs. I really don't. It bothers me a lot. Um, I had a boyfriend who showed me uh, the Ninja Sex Party version of Rocket Man. <laughs> And, yeah, that's what the band's called, and it's uh, evidently um, uh, Dan Avedon. I I can't say his name, and I apologize to any Game Grump fans out there. I'm sorry. But 
Anyway, <laughs> they did a cover of Elton John's Rocket Man, and I hated it. I was so <laughs> repulsed. I was like, what is this? And I was disappointed, and then I told him, turn it off. Like, if you're not going to play the real thing, I'm not going to listen to this. And he's like, but come on. Like, it's great. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> and funny enough, with uh, the one in Rocket Man, like his music, uh, Taryn's version of it, I think... Danny's voice would have been better suited for the deconstructed version version of Rocket Man. Huh. And then Taryn's song would have complimented, well, Taryn's voice would have complimented the Ninja Sex Parties cover. Mm-hmm. And it would have actually made more sense to me, honestly, just because um, you could tell, like, the pitch was off compared to the music in both of them. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I appreciate both songs, <laughs> but I actually did this experiment, and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> what I spent like a week working on because I had work and stuff 40 hours and plus <laughs> when I get home I was like I need to fix this and I did and it sounds a lot better so you know if you agree with me great if not if you think I wasted my time I understand <laughs> but it made me feel better at the end of the day because I really love the deconstructed version of Rocket Man, but it was missing something that Elton John's original version had and I couldn't figure out what it was, and then I figured it out. It was the pitch. The pitch of the voice was all wrong. Huh. <laughs> yeah, because that's one thing we can talk about is that, you know, Taron Edgerton is is a great, he's saying all the songs, and he's a great, he's great um, voice. He has a great voice. Mm-hmm. He's a great singer. Um, but he does sound different than Elton John. Yeah. And, I mean, that, <laughs> that has been, some people have criticized it for that. I actually think that is a really good positive about the yeah. film, honestly, because... There's not a lot of mimicry going on in the film. I mean, he does to me, even though they look they they look different. They actually look kind of similar in the movie. I think he looks yeah. very similar to Elton John. Well, he adopts because his he becomes him. Yeah, but he doesn't do like it's not an impersonation. He actually becomes the character. Truly, um, Taryn's ability to become a character amazed me after this film, and that's why um, with the Oscar nominations, I was <laughs> a little disappointed just because. Not anyone can be Elton John, and I feel strongly about that. Not even Reggie Dwight felt that he could be Elton John. So um, I'm just saying, is like there needed to be some appreciation there. Um, but overall, Taron's ability to just even reach some of the ranges he did and just being mm-hmm. an actor um, impressed me overall just because, you know, some of the Elton John songs are really difficult, like... Uh, uh, the Border song is one of them where it's like, if you don't hit it just right mm-hmm. in certain notes, it's going to sound jagged. It's going to have like a very raw edge to it that's almost disconcerting. But he was able to do it. And I think a lot of it was thanks to Elton John coaching him. And mm-hmm. I, I I think that's why they're so close now. It's because Elton John like taught him all his like little secrets and everything. And I think overall this is going to definitely help Taryn later on in his acting career. If he continues to go with this approach of potentially singing or doing any Mm -hmm. characters that sing in the future. Yeah. And he, there are rumors circulating right now that he has been tapped to be in a new little shop of horrors movie. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just, yeah. So that was, that was something that came out this, um, a couple of weeks ago. So um, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, he's, he's, I was new to Taryn. I, this was the first thing I'd ever seen of his actually. So I went back and like I do when I get into any actor, um, I went back and watched all of his films, even Robin Hood and, or I watched most of his films. There was a couple that I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and like, I recommend like Eddie the Eagle. That's, he's really that superb really in good. that one. He's really good in that one. Um, I mean, this is by far his best performance, but he's so young that, I mean, he's going to have tons of more work to do. And he's just, he's, for me, an actor is, the way you can tell an actor is really, really good is if you can look at them and you see the character in the eye, mm-hmm. because that's where you really, really need to see it. And a lot of times an actor can seem like they're really good, but then if you do a close up on their eyes anything like that and you don't see the character there and that's what's so essential and that's what I think he did so wonderfully in this film is so many different uh, times in Elton's life and how you could see where the character was where he was in his life just in the eyes without even being without having to say a word Um, and when you can convey that that is a sign of a truly truly great performance so and I just I'm excited to see what he does next 
I mean, the only things I see for the future right now on his IMDb thing are all of these voiceover work because he does a lot of voiceover work. But that's the only thing I'm seeing him doing is a lot of voice acting <laughs> on the IMDb page. So I'm hoping he's going to be doing some other other stuff where we actually get to see him um, and it's not just a cartoon or something. I know. Fingers crossed because he's such a great actor <laughs> and he's so nice to look at. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's a very attractive guy. He's very attractive. Um, and furthermore, like, the fact that Elton John was alive for the making of this movie, mm-hmm. I think definitely helped out a lot in his acting abilities and to really create the character and really finesse it in a way that it needed to be finessed. Yeah. And, I mean, if we want to talk just briefly about after the movie came out, there were a lot of uh, moments where Taron would perform with Elton. Um, he came on stage. I can't remember which concert it was, but he came on stage and sang um, your song with him. Um, and he's done a lot of that, so you can tell that Elton has a lot of respect for Taryn, and I don't think the film would have worked if that wasn't the case. Um, it wouldn't have worked in the same way. Probably, I mean, he wouldn't have gotten the part, I don't think, and Elton didn't have any kind of respect for him. And just to throw out there, they did meet on, um, the second Kingsman movie, because Elton was in there. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) just to throw out. I was so happy, and it was funny, when I was watching that second movie, and at that point, I knew there were rumors about Elton John creating his own movie, and I was very excited about it, just as I was originally <laughs> excited about Bohemian Rhapsody, and I was like, oh, <laughs> and I saw that he was in that movie, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can see it, and my friends are like, what? And I'm like, he can be Elton John, and they're like, no, that's not going to happen. I'm like, Elton John would not be in this movie if he did not see the potential there. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, yeah. Well, it's, and it's a, I mean, if you haven't, I mean, I've watched it, I don't know, tons of times, an embarrassing <laughs> number of times. Well, actually, I'm not embarrassed about it, but that's the way I'm, when I get to love something, I really love it. Um, I, my, my dog and I cosplays as Elton John for a pet parade. Um, my dog was in the um, outfit from Rehab, the devil kind of costume. Um, and then I was in the tiny dancer um blue jean jean jacket one um that was a lot of fun so that's how much i loved the movie (laughs) (laughs) and like i said it's what really uh made me love elton's music and have a new appreciation for it because i'll be honest i kind of just thought of it as like bubblegum music (laughs) i really didn't give it enough of a chance um enough of a listen and this and that movie really changed my mind about it so we should have been getting more recognition for the awards but that's okay that's okay um I think it would have been released later, like I said, in last week's Oscar episode. Um, yeah, do you have anything else you want to talk about with the movie? or? Um, in regards to the movie, um, it's not... I feel like people, when they went to watch Bohemian Rhapsody, they wanted an exact re- replica, obviously, of Freddie Mercury. And obviously, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a higher bar, especially now, because, you know, Elton John's alive, especially in Rocketman, and... I definitely think this exceeded and probably should have came out before Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. in my opinion, uh, yep. just solely because it would have set the bar higher. And I think a lot of the edits to Bohemian Rhapsody would have taken place that were supposed to take place but didn't because they were like, oh, it's just kind mm-hmm. of fine as it is. Because um, I did find myself disappointed with the lack of... Um, Freddie Mercury understanding of his sexuality like we did in Elton John's movie about himself and his sexuality mm-hmm. and journey. Because um, granted, like, no, I mean, the other members of Queen obviously were very important, but the driving factor was Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. And I think Elton John, even though, like, Bernie is such a huge impact and he made sure he had his own platform, Elton John knew he was, like, the driving force in his own movie and he really had to push it so that it showed the growth of his character more than anyone else and I definitely think if this film would have come out sooner I feel like um Bohemian Rhapsody would have definitely done better if they were a little bit more aligned or like had a later release date uh just because Mm -hmm. it's just one of those films that I feel like was overshadowed because of Bohemian Rhapsody and it's unfortunate just mm-hmm. because I can see all the hard work all these people put into this film. And it just was undervalued just because one film came out just a little bit sooner than the other one did. Yeah, and they're, 
I mean, I think Rocket Man is the far superior film anyway in a lot of respects. Um, and for me, there's other issues with Bohemian Rhapsody, like the fact that, and I don't care that Dexter Fletcher took over, he took over for only a small portion of that movie. Yeah. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody was directed by a predator, and that doesn't get enough, that doesn't get talked about enough. And so the fact that people that were preyed on by Brian Singer had to watch a film get rewarded is disgusting to me, frankly. And that's a lot of, that's another issue with it. So if it had been in better hands, I think, um, I think we would have had, I mean, there was, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was originally going to be playing Freddie Mercury yeah. and he had a totally different thing. It was going to be very R rated. Um, cause that was the other thing they didn't do with Bohemian Rhapsody is was they wanted to get more butts in the seats basically. So they did, they made it a PG 13 movie, whereas Rocket Man is R, is very much an R movie. Um, and I think if you're going to tell the story of Freddie Mercury, it has to be an R rated movie. And I mean, and I mean that as a good thing, it just, it needs to be more accurate. And so I, I agree. I think if Rocket Man had come out first, I think Bohemian Rhapsody would have been a totally different looking movie too. I think it would have mm-hmm. been a lot more powerful. Um, and I think maybe you would have seen the Sasha Baron Cohen version, which I'm very <laughs> curious to see, honestly. I think that would have been probably I mean, it, it might be leaked later on in life. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it might um, happen at some another point. Another <laughs> note on Rocket Man, though, the costumes. Yes, the oh, costumes. Yes, my we have to goodness. Costumes. Those yes. costumes, the amount of detail mm-hmm. in them, everything, including the hats and the glasses themselves. Like, there's yes. some glasses in there that I really want now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And a lot of it's hard to cosplay, I'm not going to lie, um, especially, like, that honky-tonk scene, just because, like, I'm someone who loves cosplay, but I've been looking pictures left and right, and even in the books, and just um, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, and, like, they kind of kept it mum, and I wish they would have emphasized on it more, or created some type of documentary following, or some type of video following more of the costume side yes. of it. They did a little bit touching on, like, you know, the Dodgers one and just the more mm-hmm. famous ones. But I think the ones that were more specifically related to the movie, it would have been useful to see those. And I think I think the cosplay community would actually have a lot of fun with these Elton John costumes if they could actually see some of them. Because I love the lighting in Rocket Man, but at the same time, it's hard to not see ideal if you want to cosplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, but the costumes, though, just in general, just... Especially the Oof. deconstruction of the devil one in yes. the beginning. That was yes. hilarious to me. Yeah, I mean, that was the best because what was so great about that costume and the deconstruction of it was you were basically, it represented so much of Elton recovering mm-hmm. and him shedding um, sort of a mask and becoming more real and coming out um, and being himself and recovering and being okay with who he was. Um, and that's why I thought that was so powerful, just... You know, every once in a while, seeing different parts of the costume go away um, had such a big impact. Um, yeah, because, you know, that it's a big impact in Elton's life and reality, so it should be a big impact in the film as well. And I thought they did a great job with, with the costumes. But And you do see some people cosplaying at, like, Ace Comic-Cons mm-hmm. a lot. You'll see that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I, like one person who did the one um, from um, Crocodile Rock, did that one really well, and of course the Dodgers Stadium oh, one, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Okay, so is there anything else you want to touch on with the costumes or anything like that? Um, no, I definitely think that rounded out nicely. I just I appreciate Elton John's style. It's always something I've admired, and I hope he continues to remain the stylish man he's always been. <laughs> Yes, yes, and I wish I could be that stylish sometime, (laughs) that it would fit me, yeah. Um, Great, well, you know, there's always a lot more we could talk about with Elton and talk about with the film, I mean, we didn't really even touch on the supporting performances or anything, like Jamie Bell, um, who played Bernie, who's just really great in the film, and Richard Madden, who played John Reed. Richard Madden definitely fell into that role better than I think anyone would have just because he can just slither into it and just be like yes I can be evil in this moment but also like very charming at the same time (laughs) yes yes yeah very sexy very (laughs) (laughs) yes 
Yeah, and I think Jamie Bell, um, I don't think he got talked about enough for how good he, he did. I mean, it's it's very hard, I think, to play a role where you're not doing a lot of showy stuff. Um, you're just kind of, you're the support team to this other guy. Um, and he didn't have a lot of showy moments. And I loved Goodbye Yellow Brick Road when they sang that together. Mm-hmm. That was that was such a great moment when he oh, started so that touching. song. It fits so perfectly, and it was great to see him do that. And I thought he was really great in that. Um, so yeah, we could definitely talk about talk about a lot of that more. <laughs> and then oh, I do want to touch on the "I'm Still Standing" number because yes. it was so unique to do that, where it just starts in rehab and goes out and then goes into the video <laughs> video from from the 80s of that song which was just such a unique way to do that i mean i don't think i've ever seen that before that i can think of um and i thought it was a perfect song to end yes, the film with that was the one that needed to be the one um other than like i'm gonna love me again that one yeah mm-hmm. yeah it followed with that it was just super empowering and it, it, it was touching definitely brought tears to my eyes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and hopefully I'm gonna love me again uh wins at the Oscars so yeah that's a really good song okay well we'll close out there um like I said you know with all of these we can do tons of these again there's I mean we barely scratched the surface about Elton John um but we'll close out now. So, Megan, if you just, I know you don't want to be found, but if there's, if, if there's anything you want to plug, um, um, feel free to plug away. So, this week, I definitely want to plug on uh, listening to more Elton John, okay? Um, listen, <laughs> I, I do want him to continue creating music on the side, and the only way we can do that is if we tell him very subtly with these ratings, these music ratings, to continue creating music. <laughs> Even if it's not an all-the-time thing, mm-hmm. I would appreciate it as a big-time fan um, to see more Elton John music, or at least even, like, a song for a movie or something like that. <laughs> that would be fantastic, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, and um, I want to briefly just say, um, if you want to find something really entertaining to watch, go find on Apple TV the Carpool Karaoke with Taron Edgerton and Richard Madden. Um, I've watched it, like, about 10 times, I think. and it, But it's just, it's so entertaining. So I highly recommend watching that. I just want to throw that out there. Um, okay, well, this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. You can be sure to follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, and be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That every review and every rating does help us um, get found to more audiences and grow our audiences. Um, if you have any suggestions, any questions, anything like that, feel free to email us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And until then, remember it's a fandom thing. Thanks, Megan. Take care. <laughs>